All right, if you would take your Bibles and uh, meet with me at Luke chapter number one. We'll be looking at Luke one today and looking at uh, a great mom throughout Scripture. You know, Scripture lists a lot of great moms, and uh, this is no exception. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. But before we get into that, uh, moms, we love you. Again, happy Mother's Day. And uh, you have taught us so much over the years. And uh, just, I, I found this little uh, uh, quip here. Uh, just some things that maybe you, you can kind of think back, and, and I know that as we say some of these things, you're going to be able to say what the very next line is uh, when it comes to what you've taught us, but let me just kind of share with you some things. For instance, my mother taught me about religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. Yeah, you better pray that's going to come out of the carpet because you're in trouble if you don't. She taught me about religion. My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Yeah? You ever had your mom say something like that? My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Boy, I can tell you, I'm 55 years old, and my mother still says something like that to me. David, you got clean underwear on? Yeah, moms teach us about foresight. Irony. Moms teach us about irony. Keep crying, and I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah, we've all heard that one before. My mother taught me about uh, contortionism. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? How in the world are you supposed to be able to do that? But that's what mom taught us how to do. Mom taught us about the weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado or hurricane or take your pick has hit it. She's taught us about the weather. She taught us about anticipation. Just wait till we get home. You ever heard that? Yeah, me too. She taught us about receiving. You're going to get it when we get home. Receiving. Mom has taught us about humor. When that lawnmower cuts your toes off, don't you come running to me. Yeah, she taught us a little bit about humor. And mom's taught us about wisdom. When you get my age, you'll understand. Boy, I've heard that. I've, I've used that now. I'm using that on my children. You'll understand one day, son. And then finally, my mother taught me about justice. One day, you'll have kids. And I hope they turn out just like you. You ever heard that before? We've all used some of those, huh, moms? Moms, we love you. Thank you for teaching us all these years. Now let's look into the Word and see what God's Word has to teach us about being a great mom or being a great parent, being that one that God uh, wants us to be. John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. Speaking of John the Baptist, you know, Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven that among those born among women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. He's, he's uh, indirectly referred to in the Hall of Faith uh, as one who was uh, martyred for the cause of Christ. He was very bold and courageous when he, in Matthew 14, he approached Herod and told him that it was wicked and wrong for him to have his brother's wife as a mistress. And then, of course, Right after that, he was arrested and eventually beheaded. But in Mark 6.20, it says that Herod feared John. You know, he proclaimed, John proclaimed a message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's the one who shouted out uh, that there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one who cried out that I am a, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight his paths. John had a great message and he grew up. Believe it or not, you think about this, John the Baptist probably grew up with Jesus. They probably grew up together. They were second cousins, 
And families were pretty close back then, so chances are they grew up together. But out of all that and all that influence, John grew up with a godly mother. You know, they say that behind every great man is a great woman. Well, in this particular case, that is definitely true. John the Baptist was not married, but he had a great woman behind him, and it was his mother. She was a great, great woman. That's what we're going to look at today. What makes a great woman of God? What makes a great mom? What makes a great grandmother, a great mother uh, for the kingdom of God? We're going to look at that today. So if you look at Luke chapter number 1, starting at verse number 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife and his daughter, uh, uh, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now we learn a lot about Elizabeth right here. We learn that Elizabeth was married to a priest, Zacharias. We learn that she was one of the daughters or granddaughters of uh, the high priest Aaron from way back, many, many generations before. So because of that, Elizabeth would have known all about being a priest. She would have known all about what the different ceremonies were, the sacrifices, the rituals, the different activities that all the priests went through. And so she would have been very familiar with what was going on. She grew up in that environment. Yet we also learn about her that she was barren. She was toddless. She was well advanced in years, yet no child. And there are many other women throughout Scripture uh, that, that tells us they were, God tells us they were barren. You think of Hannah, uh, and she eventually gave birth to Samuel. You think of Rachel, who eventually gave birth to Joseph and Benjamin. Uh, you think of Rebecca, who gave birth to Jacob and Esau. And Sarah here, she was barren, and she was well advanced in years also, like Elizabeth was when Sarah uh, gave birth to Isaac. Uh, with Abraham. So you, you got the, these examples in the Old Testament. And to, in that culture, to not have children was not a good thing. Jewish women were kind of graded on, if you will, as to how many children they had. How, many, how big was their family? If you didn't have any children, you were looked down upon. You, they just pretty much just kind of cast you to the side. If you had children, it was considered that God's hand of blessing was upon you, and therefore, having God's hand of blessing, you're in a right relationship with God. And that's how the Jewish people saw it. But if you had no children, people began to point fingers. They began to ask questions. They began to gossip and wonder. They began to wonder, what sin has she committed? They began to wonder, what wrong is going on? Why is the curse of God on her life? Because she doesn't have any children. And you can imagine uh, uh, Elizabeth just having to go through that and not having children. But here in this particular case, it was not because of man's sin that Elizabeth was barren, but rather it was because of God's sovereignty. God knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly who needed to be born and when they needed to be born. Just like the Lord Jesus uh, in Galatians 4.4, 4, when the fullness of time had come. Well, for in this particular time, when it was time for John the Baptist to be born, when it was time for Elizabeth to have a son, God's on the job. He, he's, he's, he makes these, he, these things happen, and it doesn't matter whether she's well advanced in years or not. But we, we realize that John the Baptist was a great man of God. 
Jesus himself said so. So I think we can put a whole lot of stock in what Jesus says about John the Baptist. But why? Why was he so great? Well, part of that was because obviously he had the hand of God on him. The Spirit of God used him in a great and mighty way. He was the forerunner to Christ. He was the one who was going to uh, uh, make straight the path so that Jesus could come on the scene. But I want to I want to submit to you today that I believe one of the reasons why John the Baptist was such a great man was because Elizabeth was such a great mom. And this morning, I want to share with you three characteristics that I see concerning Elizabeth that made her a great mother to John the Baptist. And if you will, looking back at me in our scriptures in chapter 1, verse number uh, 5, 6, and 7, in verse number 6, it speaks about her being righteous before God. She and Zacharias both were righteous before God. By the way, notice it says before God, not men. Man's got nothing to do with this. They were righteous before God. To, to be declared righteous means you've been justified. What do you mean, Pastor? It means you've been saved, born again. Okay? Her faith caused her to be declared righteous. Same terminology is used of Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, when it says that Abraham believed God and God reckoned or God accounted it to him for righteousness. In other words, it was Abraham's faith that saved him. It wasn't that he was the, the father of the Hebrew nation. It wasn't his, his, his wealth. It wasn't his notoriety. It was that he believed God's promises that God would send eventually a Savior, a Messiah, and that God would make Israel a great, great nation. He believed God. And here, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they believed God, and therefore they were declared righteous by God. When you think about uh, uh, Jesus, whenever he spent time in the uh, upper room with the disciples, remember when Thomas was there? I know we've talked about this a few times in the past few weeks. When Thomas finally showed up and, and he said, I'm not going to believe unless I put my hand and my finger in his, the nail prints in his hands. And when Jesus showed up, Thomas bowed down and said, my Lord, and my God. But do you remember what Jesus said immediately after that? He said, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe but have never seen. In other words, people like Elizabeth, people like you, people like me. I haven't seen Jesus face to face, yet I believe. Abraham never saw Jesus, but Abraham looked forward to a Messiah, to a promise, to a Christ, to an anointed one, to God's promise, you see, just like we look backwards None of us have ever seen Jesus, but we put faith in the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus came from heaven down to earth, lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross for our sins, and then rose from the dead to give us new life. We've never seen him, but we look back and believe that, just like Abraham and Elizabeth and so many others in Scripture looked forward, hoping that that day would come. And because of that, they were declared righteous. Elizabeth walked in the ways of God because she was righteous before God. She was walking in the ways of God. Number two, not only was she righteous before God, it says that she was walking in all the, in all the commandments of the Lord. Look at it in verse number, number six and seven. 
And they both were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Underline the word all and underline the word blameless. They just weren't serving God. She was walking blamelessly in all of the commands that God had laid out. Now, that doesn't mean that she was perfect. But her mindset was to please God with her life. You see, the the thing here is that there's a connection. There's a connection between salvation and sanctification. You cannot be saved without the process of sanctification beginning. In other words, God beginning to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The two are inseparably linked. You cannot have one without the other. So she was declared righteous before God, salvation, And then she walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. There's sanctification. She was walking by faith, and not just in salvation, but walking by faith and not by sight when it comes to her sanctification, becoming more like Christ. She walked by faith and not by sight. What made Elizabeth so great? She got saved, and then she lived the life of someone who saved. She walked in the ways of God. She walked in his ways knowing that God was going to use her. She walked in such a way knowing that God, his spirit was upon her life. She walked in such a way that she knew that whatever God was doing, that it was going to be for his glory and for the kingdom of God. Little did she know, though, that would have an impact on the Messiah coming very soon after she had conceived John the Baptist. You may be wondering, you know, how, how can I walk with God? Well, you know, Elizabeth walked with God. I, I am certain that Elizabeth was a, a woman of prayer. I am certain that she was a woman who was in the Word of God, that she knew the Scriptures. And th- those are two ways right there that as far as walking in the ways of the Lord, boy, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot live a fruitful, powerful life life as a believer unless we're on our knees and in the word. We can't. It's just impossible. It's not possible to live for God and be fruitful and powerful without being in the word of God and without being on our knees in prayer. You can walk in the ways of God by being in the word and being in prayer. You can can walk in the ways of God by making a point maybe to daily encourage somebody or to daily bless somebody or to daily do something for somebody. Just making it a concrete decision in your own heart. You know what? Okay, today, who am I going to bless? Today, who am I going to share with? Today, who am I going to uh, pray with? Today, who am I going to give something to? When they ask why, I share with them why. Because I love Jesus, because I love God, and God loves them. You know. But that's one of the ways you can walk with God. You can walk with God by meeting with a fellow believer. Maybe once a week or t- uh, once every two weeks or something like that. Just meeting with a, another believer and, and praying together and sharing God's word together and, and uh, finding out uh, life together and, and praying for one another's needs and praying for one another's families and, and just getting together to encourage one another and to be accountable together. But all these ways help you to walk in the ways of God. Maybe uh, journal blessings. I know I've got several journals in my office. And one of them is just, you know, this is what God did. Boom. This is how God blessed me today. Boom. Maybe you got a thankfulness journal and just writing down these blessings. All of these things and so many more are ways you can walk in God's ways. Elizabeth was a great mom because she walked in the ways of God really all of her life. 
Secondly, not only did she walk in the ways of God, but Elizabeth, secondly, was filled by the Spirit of God. She walked in the ways of God, and she was filled by the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 39. Chapter 1, verse 39. Scripture tells us here. Oh, let's see. I can find it. There it is. Now Mary arose in those days, and she's coming to visit Elizabeth, and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, soon to be mother of Jesus, is coming to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. What just happened? In the previous verses, Mary announced to her that she was going to be giving birth to the Savior. And she's telling cousin Elizabeth about it. And Elizabeth is so excited for her. Verse number 41 at the end, it says she was filled with the Spirit. Verse 42, she, she, with a loud voice, she spoke out, she cried out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Boy, that's, she's, she's in a, she's just she feels so honored. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Oh, blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. The second characteristic I see here concerning Elizabeth, first, she walked in the ways of God. Secondly, and it says it plainly here, she was filled by the Spirit of God. When she was filled by the Spirit of God, she didn't look at Mary and go, oh, really? Well, that's nice. Wow. No, not at all. It says that she called out, she cried out. She, with a loud voice, she said. and she, I mean, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just filled her life. It meant something that she was finding out that the Messiah was to be born. Well, I'll tell you what. When you're filled with God's Spirit, when the Holy Spirit just engulfs your life, you can't help but talk about it. You can't help but do the things that God wants you to do. You can't help but talk about King Jesus. You can't help but serve and love and give. When the Holy Spirit's got his hold on you, when he's got a grip on you, and he fills you, you can't help but do the things of God. And Elizabeth here was so excited. Let me share with you three ways here. Uh, being filled with the Spirit caused her to announce blessings on others. Caused her to announce blessings on others. In verse number 42, you see that she said with a loud voice, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Did you catch that? She announced blessings on Mary, and guess who else? Jesus, that little baby that was in the womb. Right away, she publicly pronounced, she publicly announced blessings on Mary and on Jesus. You are blessed above all women. When she, when she says here, blessed are you among women, that is, that's a, a Hebrew phrase that, that means it, it means the highest regard. In other words, you are above all other women. You are to be the super mom. You are blessed above all other women. What she's telling Mary right now is she's saying, Mary, you the woman. 
you to woman. Because you're going to give birth to the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. You are the most blessed woman because you will give birth to the greatest child that will ever, ever be born. Blessings on you, Mary. Oh, fruit of the womb, Jesus, Savior, Messiah, blessings on you. And she pronounced, she announced blessings on Mary and on Jesus. The Messiah had finally come. Filling of the Holy Spirit caused her to do that. Announce blessings on others. Secondly, the filling of the Holy Spirit caused her to be amazed by God's revelation. Look at verse 43. She was amazed. She says, but why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me? Oh, she was in amazement. She was astounded. She couldn't believe it. It was a wow moment. She couldn't believe Elizabeth. She couldn't believe that she was so amazed and so awestruck that this event was taking place. She was finally going to have a baby. And that child was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. But even more amazing was the Messiah was going to be at the live at the same time. And the Messiah was within the womb of her cousin, Mary. And she was amazed at the revelation of God. I'll tell you what, when we're filled with the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is working in believers... You cannot help but be amazed at watching the things that God does because you, you become ultra-sensitive to the, the spiritual. The, you get super spiritually sensitive to the things that God's doing around you. And you walk around in amazement. Look what God did over here. Look what God did over there. Look how God answered that prayer. Look how God took care of that family. Look what God provided over here. And, and all of a sudden, you, you just begin, ugh. You're amazed by God's revelation. Why? Because you sense and you see and you understand God's working within the people as the Holy Spirit has taken over. When they're filled by the Spirit of God, you announce blessings on other people, you're amazed by God's revelation, and thirdly, you affirm the faith of others. You affirm the faith of others. Look at verse number 45. Elizabeth says here, Blessed is she, she is Mary, blessed is she who what? believed. You saying Mary had to believe? Yes. Yes. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. In other words, what she's saying is, blessed are you, girl, because God is fulfilling his promises in you, and you have believed the promises of God. What was the promise? The promise was the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary believed and Elizabeth acknowledged that. Well, that's something that when we're filled with the Spirit of God, we begin to acknowledge other people's faith. We begin to see some, that the Spirit of God is working in someone else and we affirm them. We encourage them. We let them know, you know what, I can see God doing something in you. We come alongside of them and, and maybe without beknownst to them, maybe, maybe we begin to pray for them. Maybe we begin to come alongside of them and help them in their, in their spiritual journey because the Spirit of God has filled us and we, through our words, through our prayers, through our actions, through our attaboys or encouragement, however you want to put it, we begin to affirm the faith of others. But listen, this only happens when the Holy Spirit is running the show, when the Spirit of God fills us. Many of you this summer uh, possibly are going to be taking a trip 
And your vehicle of choice, it could be one of many. Who knows? It could be plane. It could be car. It could be truck. It could be four-wheeler. It could be swamp buggy. It could be whatever, you know, whatever mode of transportation. But the thing is, in order to make that trip, you're going to have to have fuel. You've got the vehicle, but the vehicle without the fuel does no good. And with that fuel in that vehicle, whether it be electric or whether it be gas-powered or whatever it is, you have to have that fuel. You can go pretty much anywhere. You can go out of the driveway. You go back up in the driveway. There's our trip. Happy vacation, kids. (laughs) You know, uh, you can go around the corner. You can go down the street. You can go across the county. You can go uphill. You can go downhill. You can cross over mountains. You can go up high in the skies, many thousands of feet up in the sky. You could, you could go across country. You can go across the street. You can go through a swamp. You can go through a dry desert land. You can cross the plains. You can go over the continental divide. North, south, east, west, it doesn't matter. The, the, the possibilities are endless, but the thing is, you got to have the fuel, right? The same is true when it comes to the Christian life. The possibilities are endless. God says, you know what? With man, things are impossible. With God, nothing's impossible with God. And especially when we're filled with the Spirit of God, the possibilities are endless for us to be used by God. And Elizabeth here, even though she's well advanced in years, God is using her in a great and mighty way because she decided to live her life in such a way that I'm willing to be filled with God's Spirit to be used by God. And I'm sure that flooded over into the life of John the Baptist. Elizabeth walked in the ways of God. She was filled by the Spirit of God. And finally, she was in sync with the mind of God. She was in sync with the mind of God. Look at verse number 57. Verse 57. Mary had just sung her uh, magnificent in verses 46 through 56 concerning the Lord's birth. And in verse 57, it says, Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. So John's about to be born. And brought forth a son. That's John the Baptist. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. By the way, notice, her neighbors and her relatives knew. She let people know. And that's what we need to do with the birth of the Savior, with the Savior in general, whether it's the birth or the death or the resurrection or all of it, letting people know. But look at verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, (laughs) he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who's uh, called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have uh, him called. Now remember, at this point, Zacharias is still mute. He can't talk. Remember, God announced that that John was going to be born and that Elizabeth was going to be pregnant. And Zacharias is like, no way, we're too old. And and because of his unbelief, God zapped him, took took his voice away. He couldn't talk. So they're having to communicate, and he's having to communicate without a voice at this point. Okay? So they made signs to his father, verse 62, verse 63, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, his name is John, so they all marveled. They all marveled. They were all amazed. It was time to deliver the baby. The neighbors and relatives, they all knew, and they all wondering, okay, what are they going to call him? What are they going to call him? It's time to circumcise this child. It's time to name him. What are they going to call him? And, and uh, uh, Elizabeth says, John. And they're all going, what? 
what? John? You don't have anybody in your entire family named John. Why in the world will you call him John? Now, the norm then was to name their child either after their father, or even more common, was to name the child after their grandfather. Well, John was not the name of either one of those people. And everybody's going, what are you doing? What are you talking about? This is this is something out of the ordinary. Well, folks, listen. Living for King Jesus is living out of the ordinary. It's doing what others don't expect you to do. It's going against the grain, right? It's, it's swimming upstream. And that's what Elizabeth was doing here. But nonetheless, she was in sync with the mind of God. And then he ended up asking Zacharias in verse 62, and he agreed. Listen, Elizabeth knew better. She knew he was supposed to be called John. Go back to verse number 13 in chapter number 1. This is when the angel appeared to uh, Zacharias. And in verse number 13, it says, The angel said to him, that's Zacharias, he says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Obviously, somehow, Zacharias eventually communicated that to Elizabeth. This is what God said. Therefore, that settles it. And the point here is that one of the reasons that Elizabeth, I believe, was a great woman of God was because she was in sync with the mind of God. She was in tune with what God wanted, not what everybody else wanted. Everybody else wanted him to be called Zacharias. But no, she said, no, no, I don't want, I'm not doing what you want me to do. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And she was in sync with the mind of God. Ephesians 5.17 says this, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen, isn't it an amazing thing that God wants you to know his plan? God wants you to know his thoughts. He wants you to know his character, his traits, his plan for you. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, Paul said to the Philippians, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, have the mind of Christ. I want you to know Christ. I want you to know his mind. I want you to know his plan. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Elizabeth knew God's will. Why? Because she was in tune. She was in sync with the mind of God, what God wanted. Abraham was the same way. Abraham was in tune with the will of God. So he took Isaac to be sacrificed, and then God saved the day. Noah was in tune with what God wanted because God sent a flood, so he got all his family up on the boat and built, built the, the ark. Moses was in tune with God, therefore was able to deliver the Hebrew nation out of Egypt. David was in tune with the mind of God and therefore was able to slay the giant and build the great kingdom that God allowed him to build. Solomon was in tune with the mind of God and God allowed him to build the temple. Listen, Jesus was in sync, was in tune with the mind of the Father. And he, when he left heaven and came to this earth, he knew the Father's will. In fact, we all remember part of his prayer in the garden was, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And you think of the great courage the great strength that it took to have Jesus go to the cross. How could he do that? Because he was in tune with the mind of the Father. 
and I believe the same true is here, of Elizabeth. What made her a great woman of God? What made her a great mother of God? That she was walking in the ways of the Lord. That she was filled by the Spirit of God. And that she was in sync with the mind of God. This is partly why John the Baptist was such a great man of God. Because his mother was a great woman of God. I'll give you a couple of application points here this morning. You, you may be saying, um, you know, Pastor, I, I want to, maybe moms out there, maybe, maybe even dads, you're saying, you know what, I want to be a great mom or a great dad for God, but you know what, Pastor, I've just messed up. I'm just, I'm not there, and I, I just, I have a tough life, and I got a tough background, and, and really there's no hope wrong. Wrong. Start today. That's the first thing. Start today. Start now. It's not too late. It's not too late. As a believer, seek to walk in the ways of the Lord. Seek every day to be filled by the Spirit of God. Seek every day to know what God's plan is for your life. But come to know Him. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, as some of the lyrics in in a song goes. And it's so true. Start today. It's not too late. There's hope. This can be done. God can use you. You're not too far gone. You're not too far off. God can use you today to be that great woman of God or that great man of God. Same is true for our teenagers, for our children, all of you. Start now. It's not too late. Secondly, moms, I want to encourage you. Dads, too. I want to encourage you. Invest in your family ministry and invest in your family in ministry. Did you catch that? Invest in your family ministry because your family is your ministry, but also invest your family in ministry. In other words, do ministry with them. Do church life with them. Minister inside of your family and then take your family to minister to the outside, outside of the walls of the church, outside of the walls of the home. But invest in the spiritual life of your family. That's one way you can become a great mom or a great dad of God. I believe Elizabeth did that. I believe she poured into her son's life. She may not have had many years left, but I believe she poured her life into John the Baptist's life as much as she could. And she was prepared to do that because she'd been living for God for so long. Meet with your kids. Read the Word of God with them. Have them sit in your lap while you're just reading on your own. Point things out. Read a piece of Scripture to them. Have them read Scripture for you. Pray with them. Pray for them. Uh, Intercede with them. Get together with them and pray, not just pray uh, 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 what we would consider maybe a regular prayer, but pray for someone. Intercede for someone. Stand in the gap for someone. Take them with you to do ministry. It doesn't necessarily have to be church ministry. It might be, the ministry might be taking a plate of cookies to the neighbor next door to you to try to reach out to them and win them to Christ. Take them with you and involve them in ministry. Take them with you when there is ministry going on at the church. Man, I praise the Lord. Growing up, my mom and my dad, they invested in the ministry of the church where we grew up in. We were in ministry, just all kinds of ministry all the time. And mom just, she didn't say, hey, would you guys like to? No, 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 no. It was get up and go. By the way, parents, let me tell you this. When it comes to children and ministry, understand something. Uh, If you ask them if they want to go to church or Chuck E. Cheese, understand they're going to want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. If, if you ask them whether they want to uh, go and, 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 and clean up the church versus uh, go to a park and, and swing on the swings, they're going to pick the park. You know? it, 
our, our young people, they're too young to make these decisions. That's why they need us as parents to step in and say, you know what, we need to decide. Is this the God thing to do? Is it the right thing to do? Or is it just a good thing to do? Because we always want to choose the God thing over the good thing, right? But invest in your family. Invest in family ministry. And thirdly and finally, seek to know the mind of God. Seek to know the Lord. Make it your priority every day. How do you do that, Pastor? How do I know the mind of God? I'll tell you how you know the mind of God. You get into this book right here. This is God's love letter to you and me. And it tells us all about him that we need to know, that he desires for us to know at this point. And God shares with us what he's doing and who he is right here. Get into the word. Get into prayer. Seek him. Allow him to seek you. But get to know the Lord. You know, all this obviously is based on the fact that you can walk in the ways of the Lord and you can be filled with the Spirit of God and you can be in sync with the mind of God, but it's only if you've been saved by the Son of God. Only if you've been saved by King Jesus, you've put your faith and your trust in Him. And I wonder, you know, you're watching there today, have you put your faith in Christ? Let me tell you something. If you're listening, listen. God loves you. God loves you so much. He sent his son down to this earth to pay the price for sin that I was supposed to pay, that you were supposed to pay. And he suffered on the cross in agony and misery and humiliation to pay for that sin debt so that you and I would not have to. God loves you. And his son died for you and then three days later, to prove that he's God and to give you new life, he rose from the dead three days later. Would you today put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You see, Elizabeth had faith that the Messiah was coming. We today have faith that the Messiah has come. Today, would you put your faith and trust in Christ, believe upon him for salvation? He said he's the only way to, to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Would you put your faith in Christ today? Would you be saved today? Become righteous like Elizabeth was. If you would, please bow with me in prayer as we close our time together this morning. You know, maybe you're, you're not sure whether you're going to heaven. Maybe you're not sure if you're saved or righteous or born again or however you want to put it. Right now, you can call on God to save you. You can pray to him right now. And the, Praying is not going to save you, but the prayer from the heart, crying out to God from the heart, will. Would you call out to him right now and just say, Dear God, I cannot get to heaven on my own because of my sin. I need help. I need Jesus to come and help me and to save me and to forgive me. God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. And God, I'm not sure exactly how to do this, but as best as I know how right now, I believe on Jesus to forgive me and to save me. I put my trust in you. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I follow you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you pray and ask Christ to come into your life, we really want to know about that. We want to celebrate with you. 
And I know you're watching on Facebook right now. And if you, you could just go to the comment box there on the Facebook page and write a little note on there. And let us know that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Because we would love just, just to pray for you and to celebrate with you would be an awesome thing that we could do for you. Moms, we love you. We love you so much. You, you, you've sacrificed so much for us, and we're so thankful for you. Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, kids, right now, boys and girls, teenagers, all of you right now, you see mom there right now. Ready? Go give mom a great big hug right now. Just wrap your arms around it. Go ahead. Do it right now. And then give her a big old sloppy wet kiss right there on the cheek, all right? Go ahead and give mom hugs and kisses. We love y'all. Lord bless you. Until the next appointed time, God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.